to Stock Talk Podcast, where topics are covered and questions are answered across all parts of the show stock industry. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Trevor Kirkpatrick and Corey Edge. Oh, buddy, we're back for another week. And uh, I don't know why I'm so jazzed up. I think it's just sales season. Uh, mm. Has me so excited because um, bought some swine online last night. And um, of course, uh, guess where I bought them? Showpig.com. Oh, man, I, uh, it's been a while since I bought pigs online, uh, just a year. Uh, mm. Didn't do much online uh, this winter for winter pigs, but um, I forgot how stressful they are. But it is very easy with Showpig.com because you get that text notification. and um, You've been outbid. Yeah. I hate that. I hate that <laughs> notification, but I like that they have the future. Yes. Um, so, guys, if you are on the buying end of your show pig addiction, you need to do it with showpig.com. Uh, it's super easy to navigate. It's mobile friendly. And if you have some hogs that you'd like to get sold, it's still not too late. Um, join thousands and thousands and thousands of show pigs being sold online uh, by going to showpig.com and getting them sold. So, Corey, they have a couple really cool, um, I want to say, features and ads that they could do. Sure do. Uh, one of them is a breeder directory link. If you guys don't know what that is, it's pretty much on showpig.com. They have a breeder directory uh, with thousands and thousands of breed of hog breeders across the country and they will develop and create a link for you uh to drive people to your sites online and other places 225 dollars for a full year that's a spring special that they got going on right now so look up showpig.com uh for the breeder directory link special that they're offering also for those of you breeders out there that host a bid board sale or open house, uh, have a private treaty event or a telephone bid off. There's a new and improved virtual bid board platform on showpick.com that's completely customizable. Uh, date, uh, sale date, closing schedule, built specifically for what you need. 24-7 support from the great staff there at showpick.com. Uh, there'll be a private sale site link and a mobile uh, friendly and user-friendly platform for all your virtual bid board needs. So again, if you have an open house, private treaty event, or a telephone bid off, that is the online way to go to help continue to promote your event and get people involved. You'll look high tech, you'll look sharp, even though that you may be driving around the rusty corn pro, that's okay. doesn't matter. It's, just, it's the stock that matters, man. The quality of the stock. Right. Uh, speaking of quality stock, I'm headed to Adam Beck and Family Show Pigs on Friday, which is just a couple days away. Who else is going to be there? I mean, there's there's quite the crowd usually at that event. Well, uh, there is one guy and a crew that's going to be there. Get on the road with Greg. Not going to lie, I just added his San Antonio rap to my Spotify playlist. Dude, his music video is hilarious. He's the man. Yeah. We shared that on our uh, Facebook account. Greg is hilarious, and um, there was also, I found, and I sent to you, he was an actor in a short yes. movie. Kinda yeah, cool. a pretty, pretty dang good actor, like probably yeah. the best actor in that film. I totally agree. So 
WaltonWebcasting.com, folks, if you missed any show previously, it is not too late to get your subscription to Walton Webcasting Archives, which will allow you to watch every single show in the past all over again. And don't forget, there are upcoming events on WaltonWebcasting.com. Speaking of upcoming events, like I said, the Adam Beckham Family Show Pigs sale on this Friday, March the 6th. And I'll be there. I know you have a judging commitment. No big deal. Yes. But um, Stock Talk Live from the Adam Beck sale on Friday at 1 o'clock Eastern Time. I'd also like to say a big shout out and thank you to Walton because hashtag Stock Talk Show Tour would not be possible for your viewing pleasure without them. And, whoa, really pumped for that. We probably kind of like let off the gas a little bit. We did. Just because I think we're we're developing some stuff in the background that's going to be really exciting. And so uh, anybody that wants to get in tune with the Stock Talk show tour powered by Purina, just stay tuned. It's going to be it's going to be great. And uh, we're working on some really cool stuff behind the scenes to bring to all you guys. Tell your friends, tell your grandma and grandpas, tell your kids, whoever you need to tell, tell them that the Stock Talk Show Tour, powered by Purina, is coming at you. Very excited. It takes a lot of work. Covers. Therefore, uh, it takes a lot of thought to get this out there. So we let off the gas just to work on it a little bit, but it's coming yeah. full force, and I'm pumped about it. Yeah. Also a reminder, if you haven't already, steer your 16 to 21-year-old friends to the stocktalk-podcast.com website and apply for the Build Your Legacy Scholarship because we are giving $1,000 to our pick of the litter, yes. if you will. Love it. And and uh, we're really pumped up to be able to offer that to the up-and-coming youth in the industry and the ones that have probably already made a name for themselves in some ways. Word. And those that have yet to build their legacy, we're pumped for it. Love it. Yeah, I'm pumped to see uh, what videos and letters we get in. Speaking of the youth of tomorrow, um, quick update on the Buckeye Livestock Expo on the last week of June. It is Sheep, Hog, and Goat Show. We had a judge change. Um, Now it's Brent Jennings going to short your sheep show. Pretty pumped to have him come to Ohio in Worcester at the Wayne County Fairgrounds. Um, Ryan Rash is doing the hogs. I said Brent Jennings doing the sheep and the Dale Hummel sorting your goat show. And uh, okay, we've got. Okay. That guy has, knows what goats do? Yes. Uh, he's okay. probably the king of goats. And then we've got Seth Keplinger <laughs> doing hog showmanship. Lots and awesome stuff coming your way. Uh, last week of June 26th, 27th, 28th. Just a quick plug there. And I think I yeah. plugged it in this episode. Brent Jennings, Brent Jennings needs to be on the show. Yes. That I dude has that. judged more sheep shows than I have hair follicles on my head yes yeah i think uh why not do it live could do it live you never know yeah that'd be cool wow lots of exciting things happening yeah sorry i won't be able to to be in attendance at the adam beckett family show pigs uh the escape average sale as they call it yes yep this friday i uh i will be in arkansas sorting livestock which uh, and that yeah yeah casey wells thank you for the call real excited to get down there and uh, and sort through the livestock in another state that I have judged livestock in, but never judged a show in. So oh, that's going to be fun. Yes. It's going to be fun. 
Oh man. Well, speaking of fun, um, we've got a guest that was a just a joy to talk to. Um, and I'm not going to keep the people from it, but Corey Edge, let's hit him with it. Eclipse Livestock. Check it out. The first woman to ever judge the Indiana State Fair Goat Show, Market Goat Show, I should say, and the director of livestock events at the North American Livestock Exposition. Folks, we got a heater and we got a great conversation coming up with none other than Miss Catherine Riley. So just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and of course, what you do for a living. So I am from Hopkinsville, Kentucky, which is the western part of the state. I currently live outside of uh, Louisville in a little bitty, don't even have a stoplight town called Smithfield. Um, I recently moved there um, two years ago when I bought a little farm, Um, but... I am the livestock manager for the North American International Livestock Show, or Louisville, as most people call it. Louisville. Yeah, it depends on where you're from on how you pronounce that. Louisville, Louisville, yeah. Louisville. Louisville. You'd be surprised the number of calls we get from people that are like, so is it nail or naily? Yeah. I'm like, it's nail. <laughs> just, just drop the E, guys. That just sounds weird. So that's, it's always fun to hear how people describe your show. Well, and that's the funny part is, the yeah, the geographical location of how people say both Nail and Louisville is interesting. And I honestly, I catch myself saying Louisville or Louisville both. Yeah. And it really just depends on how it's flowing in the conversation. Right. Or who you yeah, talking absolutely. to. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, it's it's like when I talk about it, it's where am I in the U.S. that, okay, do you guys know it as the North American? Do you know it as Nail? Do you know it as Louisville? Right. So, but Louisville is pretty general across the across the board. Yeah. Well, the unfortunate part is if you talk to pig people, they associate Louisville with the summer spectacular. Summer spectacular. Show. Which yeah. I'll take that too. Yeah. Right. Like yes, right place, just later in the year. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, tell us more about your role. And Trevor and I kind of know a little bit about what you do, but I think for the people, the great people that listen to this show putting on a show and managing the department you manage at the North American is got to be one of the most stressful and rewarding jobs at the same time. So I want to know, tell us more about your role, what all it entails. And if it's going to take three days to describe it, that's okay too. (laughs) I'll give you the short version. You'd be surprised the number of people that when I say I'm the manager of Louisville, they're like, that's a full-time job. I'm like, yes, very much so. So pretty much what I do is anything associated with the livestock show um, or the meeting rooms. I don't do the rodeo and I don't do any of the horse show. So judging contests, um, annual meetings, um, skill-a-thon, quiz bowl, and then the show on the front side. Um, So it's a year-round gig. Uh, We pretty much plan working from November. Let's see. We'll take this year, for example late November of 2019 to start working on 2020. Um, Right now we're in the process of having our advisory committees, which we have for each species, and we go over recommendations for the coming year. So pretty much anything that we're talking about now, we're looking at 2020, 2021. Um, So it's, 
it's very much a forward thinking plan where really anything I'm looking at now that I don't already know about is going to be a 2021 kind of situation. Jeez. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, we're dealing with, you know, over 60,000 entries. Um, yeah. So that's, that's a lot of moving parts for number ahead that actually come in. Um, there's a lot of small things that a lot of people don't see as far as some of the rules and things like that, how we get people in, how we do health check, which was a big change for 2019, how we do parking, how we do admissions. So pretty much the whole gamut from the time that you're even thinking about entering when that premium book goes out to the time that you leave is, is you know, 30 days of a lot of stress on my part, but it is rewarding, like you say. Yeah, the fact that you've... The- the fact that you've kept a full head of hair to this point <laughs> is awesome. Well, I'm starting to count my gray hairs. I'm not 30 yet, but there's like at least seven right at the top of my forehead that I'm like, yep, I know what each and every one of those are. <laughs> no, it's a, it's it's amazing to me because uh, I'm on a committee to do a multi-species show here in Ohio the last week of June called the Buckeye Livestock Expo. And that nice alone... Nice plug, Kirky. Nice what, plug. Nice plug. I know. I'm trying. But <laughs> you do what you got to do. That's right. Being a part of that committee, uh, you know, it doesn't matter the size of the show. It takes a lot of dedication. And, uh, you know, we're calling sponsors now, trying to get the information out there. But then you have uh, the North American, which is arguably probably one of the biggest livestock expos in the country. And I just, it, it amazes me how much thought process goes through that. Because I know what we're going through here in Ohio with uh, a smaller livestock expo and, uh, it still is a lot of work. So I would love to be a fly on the wall in some of these meetings of uh, the ideas and thoughts of, you know, what do we do next year and the improvements you guys are making. It's just, uh, it's thought provoking. It really is. It's interesting. I mean, we can, I mean, I have a full-time staff, including myself of three of us. Um, So when I started this job in 2016, it was okay. 50th anniversary is coming up. How do we want to look at long-term goals as far as what we want to see on that 50th and and how we want to commemorate that? Um, So it's all kind of long-term goals plus, okay, what didn't we like this year that, and how do we change it for next year? And so smaller things that we can work with our superintendents, that's our main thing is, is our volunteers that come in for the show and our superintendents and their staff. I mean, obviously we couldn't run the whole thing with just the three of us. So we rely a lot on them as far as actually running the show. And I don't actually get to watch enough of the show to really (laughs) suit me. There's some that I get to watch a little bit more of as we get later in the week, but it's challenging, but, but very, very rewarding uh, to be able to see the progress. When I look back on 2016 and I was hired in August of 2016 to put on a show in November. And I'm like, (laughs) how the heck did I do that? I swear I was here until, you know, 10, 11 midnight, most nights every day from, from August uh, until probably January 1st. Uh, The other part of this gig is that I also do kind of the livestock side of our state fair. And Mm. so during the end of August, I'm cram booked with that. It's more day of stuff. I don't have to do as far as the rules and the premium book. I just do. They're coming in. They got to get in. They get a show, get the judges um, and get out. So I do a lot more of the the facility side of that for our state fair. Gotcha. Well, it's got to be nice for those folks that are familiar with how the state or how the state fairs run 
you know, with, with getting into the North American side of things too. So yeah, an advantage that other people don't have, even though folks that have been going to Louisville for the last 20 years know that fairgrounds like the back of their hand. Um, yes. <laughs> and so I got it. What's the, I don't, I don't know how to phrase this, but like, what's the, I'm just going to say it, how it's coming to my mind. What's the dumbest question you get every year? Do they have to be registered? <laughs> okay. <laughs> no joke. I'm like, wait, what? You kidding me. <laughs> yeah. So register as far as registration papers on the animals, but then an entry. We'll get oh. a call usually like, oh, probably end of October, like, so we're coming to nail this year. Do we need to sign up or anything? And I'm like, yeah, it's a little too late for that. Yeah, <laughs> just a little. Yeah, Damn. and I feel so bad, but I'm like, okay, here's how this actually works. Right. Yeah. How, like, how, how does it work at your show? Don't yeah. You? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Everywhere you go, you got to pay me a little bit. I got to take my own piece of it, and then you've got to do your part too. So well, that's probably the dumbest question we get. <laughs> oh my god! And do they have to have health papers? Oh, that's yeah. another one. I'm like, where do you go that you don't have to have health papers? Right. Stay safer, see further, and brighten your nighttime driving experience with All Lights On, brought to you by Fleece Performance Engineering. The All Lights On allows your high beams, low beams, and fog lamps to all be on simultaneously to illuminate the roadway when your high beams are activated. When your high beams are not on, your low beams and fog lamps will operate normally. All Lights On, easy to install, even for the guys at Stock Talk. Use promo code Stock Talk Podcast for 10% off your next order. Back to the show. Well, those listening uh, that enjoyed our live episode at the North American this year with Brian Arnold, we have Catherine to thank because uh, that's who we worked with to uh, get that all done. So um, you were monumental in bringing us to the uh, North American last year. So hopefully we can continue to build that and make it even better and better every year. So sounds we, like a great plan. We appreciate that. So, hey, I want to move on to a little bit more uh, of who you are and what you do uh, as far as livestock goes. And uh, obviously, we hit strongly on your uh, we we like to call it real job. Uh, we all have yeah, livestock. exactly my big kid job. Yeah, right. So, um, tell us a little bit about your livestock operation and the size and scope of that deal. Well, it's pretty small right now. Um, I grew up on on a farm that we raised club lambs and goats throughout my junior show career. So I started showing when I was about two and a half, three years old, and we started in the lamb deal. Um, And so we raised a little bit of blackface sheep, um, got a little bit of speckles in there every now and then, but mostly just for my sister and I to show uh, and then move on. And then we realized it was probably cheaper to buy the weathers that we were going to show and not raise them because <laughs> blackface sheep at that time were super stupid and just tried to die. <laughs> uh, and so then the goat thing came along in about uh, probably 2000, 2001. I was about 10 or 11 then. Um, and so we really got heavy into that and started raising, I think we were kidding out probably 30 to 40 head of of does then. And so I transferred most of that up to my farm, which is Eclipse Livestock. Um, but the major change oh, that. Whoa, I've whoa, had, whoa. We got, we got to oh. talk about this name. Okay. How, do you get, how did you come up with Eclipse Livestock? Cause it's. So it's, Hopkinsville, it's Kentucky cool. was the, the epicenter of the Eclipse in 2016. 
And so that's how I got to that. Wow. Is, um, yeah. And so I was like, well, that'll be a kind of a cool logo, too, because I don't have to have a goat in it. I don't have to have any livestock, but you get a nice eclipse. That's um, genius. So like, yeah, I, I did think about it for a while. I'll be completely honest. <laughs> but yeah, uh, <laughs> really, really liked it. And it, it stuck well. And that's, so and then cool. when I moved everything up here. I didn't have fencing anything, and so my goats would just get out of the electric fence because, you know, throw water through a fence and a goat can get out of it. (laughs) And so I moved all those back to my mom's place in in western Kentucky, and one of my good friends was looking to sell out her Dorper sheep. And I'm like, I can do those. They're sheep, but they're smarter than the normal sheep. (laughs) And so uh, we lambed out um, 20 head this year, Um, so pretty small. pretty genetically similar starting off with the Kelly herd um, out in Texas with um, Catherine and Colton Black uh, got us started in those guys. Uh, So really excited about them. Um, They're just different critters altogether. I mean, just the way they think is so different from, from sheep and from goats that it's entertaining some days. Yeah. The, the popularity of Dorpers is like, on the rise big time across the u.s well, they're i mean so easy yeah they're so it, easy to raise yeah and it was like you know you go through the judging circuit in texas and you see these these dorper farms and and i'm waiting for the day that you get dorper market lambs in in a, in a judging got. contest yeah, yeah. so so yeah. let's well they're coming there's, i mean there's Denver an idea for you now. Use. yeah right we yeah they had dorper use i think they had them last year too and so for our collegiate contest, I just want them to get market goats. Everybody else has got market goats. Let's come on. Let's progress a little bit. Right. Yeah. Um, and the junior college contest doesn't even have uh, breeding goats in them yet. Wow. So it seems things change just a little bit slower on that side than I would prefer. Yeah. Well, we uh, I'm sure you've heard ideas from coaches and, and other folks. Absolutely. So, um, but with. So like with your, with your, I guess your Dorper herd flock, I don't know. Dorpers are different. They're, they're yeah. we'll call it a herd. We'll call I'm it a herd of Dorpers. That. I call the, the males bucks anyway. So, and yeah, so I, I try yeah. not to use those too much for, for the use. Yeah. Well, I mean, rarely ever do you hear anybody call, call a, a buck a ram anymore. I, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's like calling me. a buck a, na- or, um, a billy. It's that right. kind of deal. Yeah. And I'm like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. This is 2020. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was like, these are, these are meat goats, not dairy goats. <laughs> yes. Sorry if you're listening and like dairy goats, but. Well, I don't. I, do we have any dairy goat listeners, Jeff? We may. You never know. I don't know. I was about to say, know. you'll find out real quick. Yeah, <laughs> I guess we will. Hey, listen, I could use a good nanny every once in a while to, to foster some babies on too. That's uh, true. So with the. How big? How big do you want to get? Let's talk about that with the Dorbers. Are you comfortable uh, with the right Dorbers? Um, definitely. Right now, I'm comfortable with my barn space. Um, I think I don't want to go over fifty to lamb out fifty is yeah. kind of my goal. I can do. I just have fifteen acres, um, so I could do fifty does and fifty ewes and be comfortable. Not sure time wise how I would manage that with my real kid job because <laughs> I need to be kidding in November. Right. So that's kind of an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we had a, um, speaking of just your, your goats and your livestock judging knowledge, uh, we had a, 
if our listeners now are listening, uh, jump back to episode 29 at the end of this episode. And that was uh, when we talked to you right before you selected your champion uh, weather at the Indiana State Fair last year. So that's where we connected and we promised you to get a full live live episode or a full episode. Uh, so um, I encourage our folks to listen to that. So uh, I think, Corey, speaking of listeners, let's jump in uh, to a topic from a hat. Cue the music. Thank you. Uh, that's topics from a hat playing. Thanks to our good friend, Co Wetzel. That's right. Topics from a topics hat from brought a hat. to you by Fierce Threads. And of course, the only branding we use with our gear is from Fierce Threads, screen printing and embroidery. And I suggest you check out their Big Paul lifestyle line. It's absolutely incredible, and they're making just, new stuff every I day. I just got my Be Nice shirt in the mail. Oh, Pumped. love it. Yeah. So uh, we have a topic from Matthew, who lives in Ohio, that we got on Facebook. And he has a small goat herd, about 20 does. And he wants to know, um, he only has about three acres to use. And his question, am I further ahead to dry lot my goats and make a little bit of hay of it? Or would I try to make three paddock, paddocks and aggressively rotate? And his, said, his, high, his side note is uh, he doesn't have to pay to make hay because he has the equipment. So what is your thoughts on this? Well, I think he could go a couple of different ways. You said he was from Ohio, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that would change a little bit just because of the amount of rain that you can get. Um, but you need to look at the cost of the feed that you're going to be feeding if you dry lot, because if you're dry lighting, you're going to have to feed hay year round and you're going to have to grain pretty much year round. So I would, I mean, my first thought would be it's going to be more expensive to actually dry lot than it would be to rotate your pastures. So um, that I would rotate just because I like getting them out of the dry lot situation where worms aren't as bad um, on the grass. But it depends on how much rain you get. If it's going to be dry anyway and you're going to be eating it down, then go to dry lot. Right. I mean, I understand coming from, I mean, I grew up, we just had five acres, so we weren't technically a farm. um, But we totally used it that way. So the the limited size I can totally relate to. Yeah, I've seen, and what's interesting is I've, the guys that are dry lotting that have, you know, 10 to 20 acres, something like that, but are also you know, up to 150 to 200 does use whatever it is, small ruminant. It seems, it seems like there's a point in time where you can like almost rotate dry lotting and pasture at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It just depends on what the time of the year is, how you rotate them. Right. And I mean, like right now, all of our stuff's being, I mean, I think mud lotted. Yeah. Mud lotted right now, (laughs) But, (laughs) but, but that's what it's been, you know, for the last, four or five months yeah um after well, you know, after all absolutely those no pastor, so right for and me anyway yeah no it's the same way for us and and we gotta at least get one cutting hay off of it before we can we can throw throw the use back out but it's kind of one of those situations i agree with you um what's your weather like what's your grass like if you've got good pasture may not hurt to try try some rotation um yeah and i mean if you can get get them down to two pasture lots and, and rotate those and then cut your last acre. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting one. Cause I feel like there's a lot of people out there that are limited on space and want mm-hmm. to do more, but it's kind of hard too if you don't 
kind of take into account the the feed costs. Yeah, yeah, the grain can get expensive quickly. Yes, and the energy tubs they're they're really starting to to make some good ones. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I thought that, well, that was, was a good question. Yeah, we saw that one come in on Facebook and thought, wow, that's pretty specific, but that's uh, yeah. probably, probably going to answer a lot of questions for people. So thank you, Matt, uh, and everybody listening. Send in your topics. We're always looking and reading through them. So um, another question we had, uh, not a topic from a hat, but one that we had for you was we've all talked about uh, livestock in the past about how they're ahead of their time. And we're jumping in the ring and we sort these shows, no matter what species you're in, that one's ahead of its time. Well, now that we're kind of in that time, where do you predict livestock moving to and what are they going to look like as we progress through our species? That's an interesting question because it depends on who you talk to and what species that they're more looking at. Um, for me, coming from sheep and goats, um, and I, how I think they're going to change. They've had some trends lately of being, you know, small. And then you had the super tall ones when you go back a little bit further. And I think we're going to stay in this kind of moderate size. I mean, we say moderate, but they're still 140 pound market lambs. So they're big. Um, and just getting them to balance up and move well. I mean, as many shows as I go to that, all of these good ones have enough shape and enough muscle to them. I don't think we're going to get them too much more heavily muscled, but we're going to get them really pretty and start to move really, really well. And that's where I hope it goes, uh, especially on the goat side. I think some things that we need to be working on as an industry is getting these animals to move better. Um, and it's a challenge. It's probably one of the hardest things coming from a breeding standpoint of making those structural changes. And finding, I mean, especially with the goats, it it was to get muscle in any of them when we first got really going into these guys is that they were all short and steep hipped. And so going back to getting them a little bit leveler hipped, a little bit longer striding, but still have enough shape to them um, is, is a real challenge that I think a lot of breeders are tackling and, and doing a really great job at it. Yeah, it's something that I think a lot of people I've talked to would agree with the fact that we've gotten them so stout and as we've moderated frame size, I think we've limited ourselves on how good they can be move movement wise. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, you know, we've, we've got them really stout. We've got them really heavy muscle. They're cracked open. They're, they're round bodied, but I think the, that's why the elite ones that have all those things, but can move when are really, really elite. Yeah. Right. And and Hard there was to put all that pieces together. Yeah. But I, I don't know. We've been moderate for, in my opinion, for probably the last three to five years. And I think people are looking for ways to get them bigger, especially in the sheep on in the sheep yeah. world with this dwarf gene and all that. They're they're trying to they're not trying they to breed trying out to move of away it, but, for that, thankfully. Yeah, right. So I don't know. But I mean still 140 pounds is a big sheep. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's plenty, yeah, plenty big. Um, and I mean, on the goat side, I mean, we're still going, we're going bigger. I mean, you don't very often see one come out of a light, lightweight class anymore, uh, to win the bales. So more right. heavyweights than, and heavy medium weights. And that's what I was. So. so on, on the goat side, um, how, how big is too big and can you get a big one that still looks the part? I think you can. Um, I mean, when I was showing in, you know, 2010 and 11, 
um, I was showing, you know, 114 pound weathers and everybody said that was way too big, but they were winning because they were still fresh. And so I think you can get up to, you know, 120 to, I haven't seen a ton of good ones that are 130. I've seen several 120 ones, but it's, it's all about their head shape and their neck shape and how their neck blends into the top of their shoulder as far as if you can keep them youthful looking and keep them fresh. So you see all these ones that are little bitty headed and that's so that they can keep going longer. Right. Yeah. And, and so I think sometimes though you get into those big guys and, and the foot size starts to hurt them a little bit more because they get, they just get too mature about their knee and their hock and the point of their shoulder. Right. And, and so that's why sometimes, you know, you may take a little one that's a little bit more refined about their feature um, just because you can hold on to it longer. Yeah, and their right. proportions start getting a little bit more worrisome and, uh, mm-hmm. I think you can kind of see that in all, all species really as they mature, um, you know, you got to keep them fresh in the same sense. Yeah. But as long as they're fresh, I'll, I'll take them all day long for yeah. however big yeah. you get them. Right. It's, uh, I know like when we just get done talking to, to Wade Franklin and Chad Charmison, both, both those guys understand the longer feeding season that that's experienced, especially in, in those states of Texas and Oklahoma. But, mm-hmm. um, how are you seeing maturity wise on these goats or are you starting to see uh, folks gravitate towards feeding them a little longer, a little older or. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I mean, when, when I was showing, we were really hesitant to get anything much older than a February or January for an August show. Mm -hmm. And now we're breeding them more for, you know, that November very first part of December for an August show. Um, and I think we realized that we can regulate the fat cover on them a little bit easier now, um, with the type of feed that the better feeds that we've got for goats. Cause I mean, most of the time we were feeding lamb feeds to, to the goats just because that's how we were told to feed them. And so now that we've got specific feeds that are formulated for goats and we can regulate that fat exchange a little bit easier, we've got better exercise programs for these guys. And then we also realized that, the more that they mature, the easier it is for that muscle shape to really start coming in mm-hmm. um, and laying over the top side, especially through their rack and then back through their hip. Um, so we wanted them to be a little bit more more mature. And so that's when we started breeding them for a little bit smaller head, a little bit smaller ear and that kind of thing. Right. Which seems silly. I mean, we're talking heads and ears, but you get a big jug headed, long eared goat out there and he just looks old. It doesn't matter how big he is. Right. I think yeah. it works that way in all species. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah mean, exactly. But, but people probably, I mean, at least from my perspective, I I haven't honestly paid attention to that much in goats, but it totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Totally I makes think sense. it's probably a little bit more prominent in goats because their ears hang down. Yeah, right. 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 Huh. Yeah, I I was just talking to a buddy of mine the other day. He was like, he's like, well, I mean, he's got a really awesome show heifer and, and he's just like, yeah, but her head is just long and old looking all the time. Mm-hmm. And it has been yeah. away since she was born. I'm like, yeah, that's, I can see that. So, um, head shape, big fan, Kirky, big fan of talking about heads. Yeah. You, well, mm-hmm. it's all about proportions and that's honestly part of the immaturity factor. Um, that's the way their head looks. So, um, Catherine, you kind of, uh, spoke on this a little bit, but, uh, where do you see the goat industry could make m- more, more improvements as moving forward? Yeah. Like I said, their hip shape is really where the improvements need to lie on, on a lot of these goats. 
Um, I mean, we talked about how when we were first starting putting a lot of shape in these guys that you go back to those 900 genetics and they're kind of short and steeper hipped. And and so getting them to lengthen out a little bit, um, getting them to stretch a little bit more as they're they're going on stride uh, is really the improvement that we need. Um, We get them so chunky fronted, not necessarily chunky because some of them are smooth, but we get them so bold fronted because we want them big chested. And it's hard to put a little sheep neck on a pig chest and and Mm. rib shape. Yep. Yep. So that's that's the other thing that that we've got to moderate how wide that we're going just so that we can get them to blend in a little bit better, uh, particularly from their shoulder into their rib cage. Yeah, we're asking yeah. them to so do something. Pretty much both ends of their skeleton could use some improvement. Right. We're asking them to do something that just kind of goes against uh, Mother Nature and how they should fit together. Um, yeah. You know, back in the junior college judging days, they, they kind of said, you want a pig chest and, like you said, a, a sheep front end and a heifer body. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're kind of yeah, all that, in that's the... pretty much the way we're, we're still wanting them. Right. And it's just, not like you said, we've seen the elite ones that they do that and they're freaky. But uh, mm-hmm. as a whole, you know, they everything has to blend. And, and I try to say that to maybe those who are inexperienced that I work with is, you know, it's the most of the best that wins. It's not necessarily the longest neck or the biggest chest. It's the most of the mm-hmm. best and proportionality outweighs uh, most of the, the shows anyway. So that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, uh, I agree with you. I think in all, all species, I think if we keep... Uh, function and structure at a high priority. Um, not only will your females be better if you happen to keep them as replacements, but who wouldn't want a really nice made piece of livestock? Yeah, it's like my judging kids. Like right now, they're all going and picking out small animals. Now we don't have a lot that that show steers um, in in our teams, but um, you always talk about picking structure first. You can feed depth of body a little bit easier. You can feed fat cover. You can feed the muscle shape into them. But if you don't have a good foundation to start these these projects off with, I mean, it doesn't matter how good a feeder you are. If they're not put together right, they're still not going to be put together right at the Amen. end. Amen. Right. <laughs> well, Corey's busy, so I'm going to take this ad read because he's busy getting the set ready for March 9th on W Sales. Get the Edge, Volume 1 on Edge Club Lambs. Guys, I've seen the set. They are really, really, really good, and you need to check them out. March 9th, W Livestock Sales, Weathers, and use to get you to the backdrop, and they are all willing to help you. EdgeClubLambs.com, get a hold of Corey or Doug or any of the teammates there at Edge Club Lambs. They will put you right in the right spot. March 9th, Volume 1, get the Edge Club Lambs with Edge Club Lambs. Have you seen that speckle you online? Holy sh- so you mentioned 900, which is a buck that was very influential in, in creating muscle in these goats. Um, yes. However, I want to know now, since you brought that up, this is not on our outline, but I'm going for it. Um, <laughs> what's like your, we've, we've been doing these like Mount Rushmore things here lately, and I'm a big fan of it. Big fan of the concept. What would be your Mount Rushmore goat sires in like the last, I don't know, 10 years or so. Hmm. That's an interesting question. Um, I definitely think 900 would be on there. Um, 901 was pretty influential. Um, I think more on the female side. Um, 
but gosh, there's probably so many bucks that we don't know that have influenced like any of Joe Raff's made bucks. I would put up there, especially the current ones right now um, that Jamie Smith's using in, in Blue Team. That they're really starting to make a change, which is just amazing. How they're he's so like we were talking ahead of the times with being able to to get at these guys to move and have some shape and have some really good look. Um, so specifically, um, you've probably got, oh gosh, if I can even remember all their names, they name them such crazy things. Yeah. <laughs> um, we kind of put you on but, the spot. That's a, a loaded yeah, question. Yeah, a little bit. So, Corey, a little bit, um, it's, a, it's a fun question. Several. Yeah, it is. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Well, you can kind of do like Wade, Wade Franklin did. He, he left a, a face blank because we probably still haven't yeah, seen the best next? one. Yeah. yeah. What's the next Yeah, one? who's next? I like that one. I should have listened. Gosh dang. Yeah. I thought about that. Man, well, Wade got philosophical with us, so. Oh, did he? Okay. Well, I'll definitely it, go back and listen to it. It was good. It was good. I got We got quite a few messages from folks on that one. So, um, But, yeah, that's – I like that concept because it also makes you think back of, of like what sires made the biggest impact, which ones won a lot and Mm -hmm. then which ones are out there that still have yet to do it. That, yeah. Every once in a while. So now I just like that idea a little bit. Uh, Are you, how many, are you guys, do you guys run an aggressive AI program with the, the goat herd? No, we don't. Um, We, we used to, um, we used to run a pretty extensive, AI and ET program, but we got pretty inconsistent results and it just became not as cost effective to, to go as much as we were uh, just because we were getting later and later into the breeding season, just about every year to try to make early ones. And it just wasn't working as well for us. So a uh, majority of ours are live cover. We'll have a few select ones that will AI um, and then just cover them again with, with one of our, our bucks that we've got on site. Gotcha. You got any crazy names for your bucks? Um, let's see. Right now we're running, holy smoke, we're running a buck they call Flex, Spitfire, Viper. Uh, we had one that was called Scorpion. What was my favorite? I always try to get, um, we've got a great business partner in Alvin Tingle and Showbarn Genetics that, I try to name his bucks, and sometimes he doesn't like them as much because I get too far out there. <laughs> oh, you I've got to have a little bit of a theme going with like venomous animals. That's yeah, right. well, it all started with scorpion, and so scorpion and viper and and those kind of deals. Um, yeah. So I try to stay in a theme just yeah, so that African, I remember who they're related to. African tree frogs coming next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, viper was was a black headed buck that uh, we used a while back, and and so that was just it seemed to fit him. That's cool. All right, Trevor, let's do our next segment. Social Smash. Brought to you by Brad Halford, located in Kokomo, Indiana. This is a terrible ad read. I'm sorry, Brad. Uh, But listen, if you want award-winning customer service that will hook you up to get you into that next new ride to cruise into the shows this spring, throughout the summer, and then on your way to Louisville, look up Brad Halford today. Anyways, we got to know your biggest pet peeve on social media. We asked everybody what their thoughts are. And if you don't have a social media pet peeve, we will also take an industry pet peeve as well. And maybe how to correct those. I have pet peeves everywhere. (laughs) Um, I don't like social media. 
to begin with. Um, I think especially we're we're becoming more, I guess, split ideology wise. And so it just seems more toxic the more that you get on it. Even if it's like livestock pages, I mean, they're running more people down than than I think is is good for the industry. We need to be building people up and and really supporting um, our industry. And so that's my biggest pet peeve, I guess, is um, that we're criticizing people and not knowing the full story and those kind of things. And so if you don't know exactly what's going on, just stay quiet. Mm. And so I guess that's my biggest pet peeve. I'm only on there for the farm accounts. Yeah. No, it's, (laughs) and that's the thing. It's, uh, it's so visible and people get a little bit relaxed when they pull out their phone and start typing and they get an argument in the comment section or whatever. And they don't understand that everybody and their brother and sister and mom and grandma can see that. So yeah, uh, probably judging them. Let's be honest. Yeah. Well, (laughs) and, uh, you know, nobody hardly ever goes straight to the source if they have a problem Mm -hmm. and, uh, let alone give them a phone call. So, Exactly. Um, that's if interesting you're not gonna say it to the person's face let's not say it on social media right and i mean there's you're not the only one who said that and uh you know there's great marketing tools on social media um but uh mm-hmm. and if you use it right and you're a positive person continue to push that out there but let's yes. let's avoid the the pet peeves out there that everybody keeps saying yeah yeah exactly Uh, Probably on the industry side, more so from the market lamb side for me, um, is kind of more at the county fair and the state fair level, is the amount of slapping that's going on in the show ring. Um, That's probably my number one pet peeve right now, currently. Um, That and I've got one on the pig side is we've we've gotten these pigs so that we want their heads up and you've got to tap them a lot more in the show ring than than we ever have in the past. And I think from a public perspective, that's not a good thing. You're coming to a state fair, you're coming to a county fair and you see somebody slapping their animal um, or just overusing the whip a little bit too much on your pigs and that kind of thing. And that's that's my number one pet peeve is coming from the outside looking in. Um, from a show manager's perspective is we've got to think about the PR yes. on a lot of these shows. Well, uh, down there in Perry and throughout the rest of this year, um uh, the NSR is uh, aware of that, and um, Mr. Zwilling grabbed the microphone before the show even started down in Perry and made it known that if an exhibitor is a little over-aggressive with the whip in the show ring, they get one warning. And if that warning is not heard or not taken notice of, they will be removed from the show. So Yeah, and Clay and I talked about that. We were at Denver and I asked him that specific question is, is why that we're allowing this to happen. And he said, well, I'm leaving here early to go to Perry and, and do exactly what you mentioned there. And, and so I really give kudos to NSR and NJSA for, for putting that into effect because, I mean, we're only going to have this show industry as long as we keep it positive for everybody, not just our exhibitors and our families, but for people that are just spectating. Yeah. Here's here's what's crazy is if, if those families that are coaching those kids or those exhibitors think that that's the best way to get their animal shown, the elite showmen, the ones that win never do it. Right. Yeah. And, and so, so there is a way to exhibit those animals without Mm -hmm. getting, and I've been as frustrated as some people in the show ring. And then you kind of reevaluate and look back at yourself. You're like, boy, if I would have maybe just worked a little harder at home, 
I wouldn't have had that yeah. issue. Or, or it, I mean, if you've I got some of these things animal. that aren't aren't made to to look like that. Right. right. And so then then you're you're working on an uphill battle for sure. Oh, that's a whole yeah. other discussion. Uh, I work very very strongly with my showman on not all hogs are the same. Uh, well, across the board, you have to evaluate your animal before you go in the ring, and they have to be exhibited in a way to give the best result for that animal. Therefore, like in the hog deal, if you got one that's a little shorter fronted and, you know, maybe can't get his head up as much, a level head is about as high as you need to go or else it's going to look straighter mm-hmm. fronted as it the higher your head gets. So whole yeah. other topic, and I, I have the slapping in the, in the show ring is... Like you said, in the goat industry, I'm sure uh, they want to get them things moving, but they should already kind of be trained, I would assume. Exactly. And I mean, it comes, I think, more with the use of the, the kind of the trend right now with the halters and things. And which, I mean, whether you like the halters or not, I think they're they're changing the way kids show um, mm-hmm. some for the better and some for the worse. I mean, it depends on on how much work you do with those animals at home. And I mean, I like them for some animals and then we don't like them for some animals. It, it Like you say, every animal is a little different on, on whether they work well on a halter or if they need a chain. Quick break in the action. We've got a new consigner to tell you about. Pudliner Livestock will be offering their top-end kid crop this year through three online sales. This is an incredible set of December and January show goat prospects that will be selling on March 10th, 17th, and 24th on Willoughby Livestock Sales. This is their deepest set yet, and we encourage everyone to get a hold of Nick Pudliner at 724-549-3548 or look him up on Facebook at Pudliner Livestock. We'd like to see you there, folks. Well, um, this brings us to our last question, which we've changed since last year. Last year it was, um, you know, what... um, I even forget it now, which is great because that means this question's top of mind. So, um, <laughs> what lessons has the show stock industry taught you? Um, lessons. That, well, I mean, there's so many. It's like which which one is the most important? Um, I mean, hard work and and work ethic is probably um, the most beneficial in in my current life. Um, to be able to continue forward looking at a long-term goal, um, that you're not looking for instant gratification, that you're, you're looking further down the road um, into the next year, the next five years. Is, is Not a lot of kids outside the stock show industry can really see past this current basketball game or this current tournament kind of deal. Um, so I think that that's one thing that really um, puts things into perspective is, is when you're thinking about the stock show industry and not only do you get confidence and responsibility, but that, that drive and that work ethic, um, and especially coming from a managerial position where I'm hiring interns and I'm hiring people, um, to work for me. If honestly, if they don't have a stock show background or a livestock judging background, really, I'm looking on to the next person just because I know the, the drive and the work ethic that, that goes into those projects. Mm. right yeah that's good that's a big one well uh we appreciate your time Uh, i know it's a it's always a busy time of year especially here getting ready to get into the spring um so we appreciate you sitting down and chatting with us is there any sales or anything you would like to uh bring to the listeners attention maybe you have coming up in the near future yeah uh actually we had picture day yesterday so i'm i'm a little dragon today there you go um but 
uh, March 12th on, on Willoughby's will be show barn genetics. And so, um, because of my limited numbers I put in, I've got two others and a lamb in that one. Um, so I'm excited about how they pictured. Good deal. Well, we appreciate your time and, uh, we look forward to getting that one out, getting this one out there for everybody to listen to. Wonderful. Well, thank you guys. It's, it's been a fun conversation. Absolutely. Thanks for your time. Keep uh, keep plugging away, even though it might be a little rainy and gloomy out there. Yep, exactly. Just keep pushing. It'll be sunny sometime. That's right. <laughs> Tell you what, Corey, she's just good people. She's just a fun person to talk to, and uh, we I really enjoyed our time. We, t- we spoke to her a couple times, actually. You mentioned we saw her down in Denver, uh, but back in August, we had a mini, mini deal with her before she judged the weathers at the... Uh, state fair of indiana and then we have a full episode with her now so always enjoy talking to her uh hopefully we can do another live episode there in uh, north american yeah well and i would encourage all of those folks that are listening to reach out to Catherine on any questions on that sale coming up okay. i'm sure it's going to be a good one i guess would agree so Folks, we got a lot of things happening in the Stock Talk world, Stock Talk Nation, as we like to stay. Uh, jump on our website. You're going to find a lot of things there. Uh, first things first, there's going to be a pop-up right when you click on that website, stocktalk-podcast.com, and you're going to want to apply for the Build Your Legacy Scholarship, win $1,000, and a future feature on a Stock Talk episode. Ages 16 to 21, there's an application there. Send us a letter of why you think this scholarship will help you, and then send us a video. All of that stuff is on our website on the scholarship tab. Also, be sure to buy your merch. Um, We have some incredible Stock Talk gear from Fierce Threads, and um, just a lot of fun stuff. We always update that thing. Um, This weekend, Friday, we're headed to the Adam Beck and Family Show Pigs to do a live episode at his sale on Friday. So looking forward to that deal also. Yeah. Well, uh, folks, I would also like to make mention that if you have ideas for us when it comes to apparel, stuff that you want to see, you'd like to wear, you'd like to buy as gifts for your friends and family, let us know. We're always open to suggestions. Keep reaching out to us. Send us your topics from a hat. Send us your, your social smashes. I mean, we love to talk about that kind of stuff. It's fun for us to interact with you guys, and we appreciate each and every one of you so much for listening. Continuing on this journey of Stock Talk here into 2020, it's crazy that we're into March already. Unreal. Unbelievable. Oof. It's moving fast. And last thing, folks, five-star ratings always help us out. Help us climb that ladder we always speak of. Guys, you are absolutely incredible. We love each and every one of you. It's been another edition of Stock Talk. Stock Talk.